Welcome to the Authentic Church Podcast with Jeff and Fawn Peterson in Orange County, California, where our mission is simply to love God, love people, and live authentic. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com. Thank you for listening. Well, this morning we have an awesome privilege. Uh, we, we've been going through a series that we launched into the year titled Foundations, and it stemmed from the Word of God that we are holding on to for our church this year, and that is that God wants to build a foundation in our lives, and that this is going to be a foundational year. And uh, the cool thing, when, when the Word of God comes to the house, if you're part of Authentic Church, it's not just the Word of God for our house, but it's the Word of God for your house. And so the question is, Lord, what areas of my life do you want to build a foundation in? What areas of my character, what areas of, of, of uh, spiritual discipline do you want to build a greater foundation in? Because if the Lord's going to build a great stru- structure of your life, and He is the chief architect, then there's going to need to be a great foundation that's laid. And the challenge that's happening a lot of times, and you see this playing out in Christian culture right now, is there's a lot of Christians that are walking and talking, and they got their quote-unquote get-out-of-jail-free card, and they've prayed, they've accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior, they've been baptized, which is awesome, but they just don't actually have much of a foundation. They, 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 they haven't really taken steps to grow and, and know more about God, His character, His ways, understand doctrine and different things. And so then what happens is as the storms of life come, as Jesus said in Luke, uh, the book of Luke, as the storms of life come, they, they, what they were building just gets swept away because they never really had a strong foundation. And I don't want that to be said of us, <laughs> not on my watch, right? I don't want that to be said of Authentic Church. No, no matter what comes your way in 2023, no matter what comes your way in the next 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, or however long we're here, no matter what comes your way, no, we want to build an unshakable faith, a life that has unshakable faith. And you do that based on the Word of God. And so we're really passionate. One of the things we're really leaning into this year is not just teaching you some things about God, but actually helping you to know God and giving you strong doctrine as a foundation of your life so that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt why you believe what you believe and, and you can articulate that. Uh, in Peter, it talks about, hey, he, he tells everybody, he says, have an answer. When people ask you why you have this hope, be, be ready to give them an answer for the questions that they have. And so we're leaning into that. And today we have an honor of having a great friend of ours, uh, Casey Tate, who's going to be joining us and she's going to be teaching the word of God today. And, uh, I just want to give you a little bit of backstory on Casey. We've known each other now for 20 years. Uh, we've done ministry together for 18 years. Um, and Casey, uh, she has, she's a brilliant, brilliant woman, brilliant communicator. She has more degrees than Fahrenheit. Uh, she spent a lot of years in school and, uh, and, and she's just an excellent communicator. She's led teams. She's led internships, taught in Bible colleges all around the world, literally. Um, her current post is, uh, she is uh, a project director for an organization called FIRM, stands for Fellowship of Israel Related Ministries. She helps over to see a lot of their initiatives in Israel. She does that now from here in the United States. And she also happens to be uh, one of the overseers of, of Authentic Church and helps to make sure that everything that we're doing is in line and, and uh, doctrinally and, and in line with the direction and the vision that God has for us. So uh, I just want to, uh, if you would all just help me welcome, give a big authentic welcome to Casey Tate. Thank you so much. Look, can we just honor Pastor Jeff and Fawn Peterson and their family? I'm so grateful for you. We have known each other for decades. I've known their kids their entire life, and um, they are the real deal. They are people of solid character, of solid faith, and the vision for Authentic Church. I remember talking with you guys about this years and years and years before it started, and I just want to give you honor and say thank you so much for being willing to share the platform with others and I'm so grateful for that. So thank you so much for being here today. Um, just as, as Pastor Jeff mentioned, uh, I've, known, I've known Authentic since the very beginning. I think it was at the very, very first interest meeting as well. I was still kind of hovering back and forth between life in Israel and here. And so now I guess I'm stationed in Southern California because I'm not going back to Israel long term. But I will still continue to go back on a regular basis. Um, 
It's just such an honor to be here today. I have um, a mission today to help, uh, well, I could, I could never really help the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's the one who reveals truth, right? But my humble mission today is to present some words from the scriptures that hopefully will help you fall more in love with the Lord. Um, today, what we're going to talk about is the nature and character of God. No pressure, just a small topic. You know, <laughs> you will spend your lifetime getting to know this God and all of eternity. We will spend all of eternity getting to know this God. But today I want to take and walk you through some scripture verses. And I want to talk with you a little bit about some of the character of God, the aspects of God, the attributes. What's he like? Who is he? How can we know him? Can we know him? And let's just go on a little, uh, a broad picture journey today. And let's allow the Lord to reveal himself to us in a new way today. So can we just pray together really quick and ask the Lord that he would open our ears and open our hearts to receive what he wants to speak. Lord, we welcome you. We thank you so much that your presence is here today. We thank you that you are the God who is the revealer of truth. And Lord, today we ask that you would open our eyes to see you rightly in any area where we have, we've seen amiss, where our perspective and our thoughts about you are not true to the way that you are. I pray that you would open our eyes today the eyes of our hearts, the eyes of our spirit. I pray that we would focus on what you want to say to us today and that we would receive from you today in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. So who is this God that we serve? Not a small question. Who is he? Can we actually know God? This is, this is the pursuit of poets, the pursuit of theologians, the pursuit of philosophers throughout history. Can, are, are, are we here by accident, can we actually know the creator of the universe? If God is really different from what we believe to be true about him, we'll never have the kind of interaction with him or even with others that he intends for us. Is God distant, cold, feeling, harsh, condemning? Or is he close and relational, merciful, forgiving? Is he fickle? Is he one day caring and providing for us and then the next day angry and ignoring us and turning his back against us? Or is he constant, the same God throughout all of history, the Old Testament and the New Testament, and even today? Is he the same or is he different? And how can we actually know what God is like? Now, there's a really big difference between knowing about something and actually knowing something. Let me give you an example of this. C.S. Lewis is one of my favorite authors and theologians. He was an atheist Oxford professor that became a believer um, as he really sought to study out and prove Christianity wrong. He actually, in the process, came to know the Lord. He's one of my favorite authors. He wrote The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, The Chronicles of Narnia, so many, The Problem of Pain, so many other wonderful books. I know a little bit about C.S. Lewis because I've read some of what he's written. I've um, seen documentaries about his life. I have, um, I've actually been to where he, where he was in England, where he lived. And, and so there's, I know some about him, but I don't know him. He's not alive today, so I don't actually know this person. I can know about him, but I don't really know him. Now, Fawn, on the other hand, I know Fawn. We go back a long time. We have a lot of history. I know the way that Fawn laughs. I know her voice. If she calls me on the phone, I don't need her to tell her it's me. I know her voice. I know the perfume that she wears. I know some of what she does. I can tell if she's been somewhere. For example, I have a beautiful painting in my home that is evidence that Fawn created something glorious. And in the very lower corner, it's slightly, it's hard to see, but it says Fawn on it. I had this beautiful painting in Israel in my apartment that everybody who would come into the apartment would say, who made that? Where did you get that? Oh, my friend Fawn made that for me. So I see some of the evidence of what she creates and how she talks and who she is. I know her reputation. If I were to ask Nicole, what's Fawn like? Years of history and, and relationship and dinners together and walks on the beach. We, we know each other because we've done life together. But C.S. Lewis, I kind of know about him, but I don't really know him. So who is God? Do you know about him or do you really know him? What are his characteristics? How do we talk to others about God? Do you guys ever have friends that they don't 
ever talk about their friends or their family. And that's a little bit concerning, isn't it? If somebody never talks about their friends or their family, you might wonder, well, what's their relationship like with their family? Do they have a close relationship? Is there dysfunction there? Do they have friends? They never talk about their friends. Ladies, by the way, if you're ever on a date with a guy and he never talks about his friends, big red flag right there. An isolated man will come to destruction, the Bible says. But so, and how many of you have, okay, friends-in-law? Does, does anyone have friends-in-law? You know, like your be- Nicole's best friend, may, who I've maybe never met, but I feel like I know her because she's talked about her whole life and, and Nicole's talked to that friend about me and we kind of know each other. We're sort of like friends-in-law, but we don't really know each other. And so how many of you have, are friends-in-law with God because you hear what he's like from other people, but maybe you don't really, really know him? Okay, now let me introduce you to a Hebrew word. Yada is this Hebrew word. And it means to know, to perceive or acquire knowledge or information about something. It's also used in a very intimate, personal relationship sort of way. This is the verb that's used when it says that Adam knew his wife Eve and conceived and bore a son. And so the word to know is used throughout the Hebrew scriptures. It's a very common word, but it carries this deep sense of relational intimacy and knowing of something. Let's look at a scripture verse from Exodus 33. I'm going to read a little context. You're going to see some of it on the screen, but I'll read the context here. Now Moses said to the Lord, see, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you've said, I know you by name, and you've also found favor in my sight. Now, therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. The passage goes on, and Moses is having this conversation with the Lord, and the cry of his heart is, I want to know you. Not just know about you, not just know your reputation, I want to know you. We get to know people by what they say, what they do, and their reputation. Now, let's say River says something to me. Well, Fawn said this. And I could say, yeah, that sounds like something Fawn would say. Or, I don't know. That's not very true to her character. Are you sure that's what she said? We get to know someone by what they do, how they interact with us or with others. I know Nicole to be a very happy, encouraging person who's always asking me, how's your heart? How's your heart? (laughs) (laughs) We get to know someone by the evidence they leave behind. I might know if River and August have been in a room by the quantity of Legos on the floor. Or we might know someone by a familiar scent or a perfume or something that they created or something that belongs to them. We get to know people by their reputation, what we've experienced about them or what others have said about them, what's documented about them through a biography, an autobiography, um, a a legacy, something that they created, an invention or something on YouTube, right? (laughs) So a reputation is something that's reinforced over time. What's your reputation? What's God's reputation like? Can we actually know God? And what does he say about himself? What has he done? What is his reputation throughout history? We're going to spend a lifetime and all of eternity getting to know this God. But let's go through some big picture overview today. And hopefully this will be an encouragement to you. God is a God who reveals himself. Oh, if you guys can catch this, this is huge. The only reason we can know God is because he took the initiative to reveal himself to humanity. It wasn't man that said, what's out there? I'm going to try and find this supernatural being. No, God took the initiative to reveal himself to humanity. He is a communicator. We see this from the very, very beginning in the same passage where we first see that he's a creator of heaven and earth. He is a communicator. Genesis 1, 1 through 3 In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. 
and there was light. The first action that we see of this God is he is a God who communicates, who speaks order out of chaos, who speaks forth light into the darkness, who creates things that are good. With his words, he speaks and brings forth things that are good. God took the initiative to make himself known to his creation. I love that we see in the very first chapters of of the scriptures that God walked with Adam and Eve in the garden. There was a relational aspect. It wasn't just this, he he, he set things in motion with this big bang of creation. Then he left and said, well, y'all are on your own. Fend for yourselves. No, there was a relational aspect where he drew near and he walked. It shows that he wants relationship with humanity, right? That God took time to walk with Adam and Eve in the garden. Okay, even after Adam and Eve sinned, God was the one who took the first step. He was the, Adam and Eve weren't sitting there going, God, where are you? Why why aren't you walking with me in the garden anymore? No, it was God who said, Adam, where are you? There was a pursuit from God to restore relationship even from the beginning. Okay, I'm going to read you guys this this kind of... um, fluffy philosophical quote here, but I I love it. Okay, so this is by Abraham Joshua Heschel. He's a Jewish theologian who wrote many, many books, a philosopher, and he wrote this book, God in Search of Man. Now, I don't agree with his conclusions in the end of this because he's not a believer in, in, in Yeshua, in Jesus. However, there's a lot of truth in what he says, and we can learn a lot from, from different authors. So this is from um, Abraham Joshua Heschel. The mysterious paradox of biblical faith God is pursuing man. It is as if God were unwilling to be alone, and he had chosen man to serve him. Our seeking him is not only man's, but also God's concern, and must not be considered an exclusively human affair. It is his will, his will is involved in our yearnings. All of human history as described in the Bible may be summarized in one phrase, God is in search of man. Faith in God is a response to God's question. When Adam and Eve hid from his presence, the Lord called, Where are you, Adam? It's a call that goes out again and again. It's a still small echo of a still small voice, not uttered in words and not conveyed in categories of the mind. It's ineffable and mysterious, like the glory that fills the entire earth. It's wrapped in silence, concealed and subdued, yet it is as if all things are frozen in the echo of that question. Where are you? Isn't that beautiful? That God is pursuing relationship with humanity. That will change the way that you relate with God. When you realize that he took the step to reveal himself to you, to mankind, and he's a communicator that will change the way that we see God. How does God reveal himself to us? How does he make himself known? There's a couple ways. We're going to go over some big picture things here. He makes himself known through general revelation. I actually love this. You can see so much of the God that we serve in creation. I just, I, I love beauty. I love the ocean. I'm a sucker for a sunset. I, I mean, I'm the kind of person that's on a walk and I'm just like sidelined by the beauty of flowers. I will stop and smell the roses. I'm one of the, I'm just like enamored by this creation that God made, broken as it is. There's beauty in it. Like, and and the, the order, the design, you know, the people have come to know the Lord studying anthills, studying a bee. Like the, the human eye, this is how we get the, the, the design of a telescope. Like the order, the design, the, the creativity. He made a giraffe. I mean, talk about a puffer fish, a porcupine. Those, those trees that have flowers that look like pink cotton puffs, a Venus flytrap. Come on. I mean, think, think of the creativity of this God that we serve. I mean, those fish that have the light that come over the top that are down in the middle of the ocean that nobody can see, right? You know, I mean, there's, there's the, those, those like little shrimp that clean the teeth of, I mean, my goodness, who is this God that we serve? He's so, he's so genius. He's so creative. He's so beautiful. I mean, if you're having a hard time hearing from God, just go on a walk by the beach, explore a sunset, pick 
pick up a handful of sand and remember that David said, your thoughts towards me outnumber the grains of sand. Who is this God that we serve? You know, David says in, in Psalm chapter eight, who, what is man that you're mindful of him? The son of man that you even think of him? Who is this God that we serve that he has such beauty and order and design and creation? Psalm 19, one through four says, the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day unto day, it pours out speech. Night unto night, it reveals knowledge. There's no speech, nor are there words where that voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. God speaks through creation. It's not enough to get to know him in a salvific way but he does speak and he draws people to himself through creation. He speaks through our conscience and our intuition. Throughout all of human history, there are moral tendencies in mankind. There's this knowledge that we're not alone, that, that we're, we're, we're designed, we're created. There's something supernatural, even if it's been off base from society to society, throughout all of human history, there's this, this curiosity. There's something more. There's this God-shaped hole in all of us. St. Augustine said, our heart is restless until it finds its rest in thee. There's something about us that we have a knowing deep within. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says that God has put eternity in the hearts of mankind. There's something that we, we just know somehow. There's this intuition, right? Romans 1, 19 and 20 says, for what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. His invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made so they are without excuse. Creation, our conscience, our intuition, these are like an alibi, a testimony that there is something more, right? God reveals himself through general revelation, but he also makes himself known through special revelation. He specifically went above and beyond so that we can know, that we can know, that we can know who this God is. He speaks through dreams and visions. Man, so many people are coming to the Lord around the world through dreams. It's beautiful. Most of the people who I know in the Middle East who have come to faith out of Islam have come because of a dream. It's, it's beautiful. God still speaks in dreams and visions today. He, he, he speaks to humanity through personal experiences. Now you'll learn a little bit more about this as you go through, through, um, the, the word of God next week about the order of like priorities, you know, per, dreams and visions and personal experiences. These are subjective. They're not the end-all be-all. Everything needs to be subjected to the word of God, but God still speaks through dreams and visions. He speaks through prophecy. He speaks through miracles. He speaks through history. God's intention with humanity is clearly seen throughout history. If you ever wonder what is God's intention for humanity, take a journey through Genesis all the way through the end of the Old Testament. And you will see through the story of mankind and through the story of Israel, God's faithfulness to covenant, his goodness, his provision, his love, his mercy, his kindness, you will see so much of this aspect of who God is and how he wants to relate to humanity. He speaks through the Bible. You guys, this book, you're going to learn more about this next week. This is miraculous. Don't ever tell me God doesn't speak. Just open it and read, 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 read until something jumps out at you, until your spirit believes it because he still speaks today through the Bible. He speaks through Jesus Christ, through the, through the testimony of Jesus Christ. Christ is the very image of the invisible God, the exact imprint of his nature, the Bible says. Hebrews 1, 1 through 3 says, Long ago and at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. If you want to know this God, study the life of Jesus. What do the gospels have to say? What did people say about him? What was his reputation? What did he do? You'll get to know him. Let's take a look at some of the 
other aspects of God. What kind of a God is this that we serve? Well, I'm going to, I'm just going to list off some here. We're not going to, I'm not going to go too deep into this, but he's living. That should give us hope. He's a living God. He's not just, like I said in the beginning, he, he didn't, he didn't just create the world and then like leave. He's living. He's active. He's involved with his creation. He's spirit. God doesn't have a body. Now, you'll get into the incarnation. Jeff will, one of, somebody will go through that, um, about, about, about Jesus Christ and the incarnation. But God is a spirit. He doesn't have a body. So like when Isaiah says the arm of the Lord or the ear of the Lord, it's not really talking about a physical arm of God. It's metaphorical. It's, a, it's an analogy. We're created in the image and the likeness of God. So um, there's, but, the, but God is spirit. He's the creator. First John 1 John 1.5 says that he dwells in unapproachable light. He's glorious. He's a consuming fire. He's a jealous God. He's the only one who can be perfect in his jealousy. He's a jealous God. He's transcendent and imminent. These are big words, but if any of you ever watched Sesame Street, do you remember this? Near, far, near, far. God is both near and he is far. He's transcendent. He's big. He's out there. He's everywhere, but he's near. So he's transcendent and he's imminent. He's sovereign over all. He's eternal, immortal, invisible. He's the only king. He's personal. He speaks. He is a God who acts. Isaiah 64, 4 says, From of old, no one has heard or perceived by the ear. No eye has seen a God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. All right, I'm going to throw reference to these, but you're going to get into this a little bit more when you talk about the Trinity. God is one, but he's, there's also room within the Godhead for a plurality. I know this is hard to wrap your brain around. It is for me too. He's one. This is the main prayer in Judaism. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Shema Israel, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Now let me tell you something about this word one. The word in Hebrew is Echad. Can everyone say that? You got to practice your phlegm. Echad. If you're not getting phlegm, you're not doing it right. <laughs> All right, so there's two primary words in Hebrew for one. There's echad, which is the same verb that was used when Adam and Eve were joined together as one flesh. It's like a complex unity, right? But there's another word in Hebrew that's, that's yachid, and that means one singular only. So the word here, the Lord is one, is actually the word in Hebrew that leaves room for unity, but a complex unity that can even include a plurality. I know that's, that's hard to wrap our brain around, but it's actually true. Um, okay, so he's also three in one. There's, there's, I'm not going to go into this too much, but the scripture reveals that there is a divine plurality. Even in the very beginning, we see in the beginning, God, Elohim, it's a plural word, created the heavens and the earth. And he said, let us make man in our image. In Hebrew, the word is in the plural. So I know it's very hard for us to understand this, but we actually believe that there's a divine plurality, that God is one but he has revealed himself in the persons of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We are not, we are not, um, I almost said polygamous, polygamous, but that's not the right word that I'm looking for. <laughs> polytheists. We are not polytheists. We, we're not polygamists either, but <laughs> we are not polytheists. We do not believe in three gods. The Father is not the Son, is not the Spirit, but they're all one. All right? So there's... Uh, and some of the creeds throughout Christianity have spoken of this. A Trinitarian creed, I'll just, I'll just read this for you. We believe in the eternal Godhead, who has revealed himself as one, existing in three persons, even the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Distinguishable, but indivisible. Co-eternal, co-equal, and co-existent in nature, power, attributes, and glory. Let me just give you one scripture verse that reveals this um, 
in one aspect. Isaiah 9, chapter 6, many of you are familiar with this verse. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now in the New Testament, we see that the Holy Spirit is called the Wonderful Counselor. Since when was God ever a baby? Jesus. But we also see one of the names here, Mighty God. El, this, this is very well known to be God Almighty. This, this is the Father. Aviad, everlasting Father. Aviad. This is, this is the eternal word here for God. So you see the plurality within that one scripture verse there. And you'll go into that a little bit more. But God is one, but God is three. But God is one, but God is three. <laughs> All right. He's the only God. There is no other God besides him. Allah is not a real God. The, all, the, whatever God throughout history, they're not, it, God is the, our, our God is the only God. Now, it's not popular to say that these days, but there is such an attack on truth, on what can really be known. We've got to be certain of this. There are not multiple ways to God. We need to settle that in our hearts, that there is only one God, all right? Let's look at this verse in Deuteronomy 4. To you it was shown that you might know that the Lord is God, there is no other besides him. Out of heaven he let you hear his voice, that he might discipline you. And on earth he let you see his great fire, and you heard his words out of the midst of the fire. And because he loved your fathers and chose their offspring after them, and brought you out of Egypt with his own presence and by his great power. Verse 39 here, it says, Know therefore today and lay it to your heart that the Lord is God in heaven above and on the earth beneath, there is no other. He is the only God. All right, let's talk a little bit about some of the, the attributes of God. I'm just, gonna, I'm just going to speak really quickly into this. There are essential or divine attributes that God has that make him only God. Only God has these attributes, no one else. There are also communicable or moral attributes. You know, like a communicable disease, it can be shared. There are aspects of who God is that he shares with humanity. So some of the essential attributes of God would be that he's eternal. He's self-existent. He is because he is. I don't, I will never understand that, but he is. He's immutable, which means that he is always true to himself. He's consistent eternally. It doesn't mean that he's, he doesn't change. He's static as in he never moves but he's always consistent with his character. He's omniscient. He's all-knowing. He's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere, which means that God can be at work in your family members who don't know him yet because he's everywhere. There's no place where he is not. David says this in Psalm 139. There's no place where he is not. Even in the depths of hell, it says that your spirit can find me there. That should give us great encouragement. So these are parts of God's eternal and his divine attributes. There's aspects that are communicable, moral attributes that God wants to share with humanity. Now he is perfect in these ways. We will never be perfect in these ways, but we can share in these aspects of who God is. He's love. God is love. He is good, he's kind, he's wisdom, he is holy, he's faithful, he's just and righteous, he's merciful, gracious, and compassionate. He reveals himself to be perfection. He, you know, he is the only one who can perfectly balance justice and mercy. We kind of tend towards the extremes, right? You're either a really merciful person or you're a really, really just person. But he perfectly balances those aspects of who he is. He wants us to share in these characteristics. In Deuteronomy 32, this is when he reveals himself to Moses. He says, I will proclaim the name of the Lord, ascribe greatness to our God, the rock. His work is perfect, and all his ways are justice. A God of faithfulness, without iniquity, holy and upright is he. 
so much of what we get to know about God is revealed through the scripture, through his interaction with humanity, with his interaction with Israel. Israel is called to be a light to the nations. They still are because their life and their testimony and their history, you knew I was going to get it in here somewhere, <laughs> is, is an alibi. It's a testimony. It's like a CV. This is the God that we serve. And so the scriptures are a living chronicle of God's words, his actions, and his reputation. Let's talk just briefly about some of the names and titles of God. You know, God reveals his personal name in a couple places in scripture, but most of what we know to be the names of God are actually titles. And most of those are actually ways that people have had interaction with God and they attributed a characteristic to him, a title to him based on that interaction. But God reveals his name in a couple of places in scripture. Now in the, the Hebrew scribes revered the name of God so much that they wouldn't even say it out loud. It's not even really for certain how to say the, what we say Yahweh, yud heh vav heh in Hebrew, um, they don't even know exactly how to say it. So when it's written in the Hebrew scriptures, they will say Adonai, which means Lord, instead. So when reading the Hebrew scriptures out loud, uh, the scribes, they would say Adonai. So basically, Yahweh is how the Lord reveals himself to Moses. This, it means the existing one. Now in Hebrew, if you do a study on this, it's actually fascinating. It's kind of like a combination of the three tenses of the verb to be all at the same time. So haya, hove, yavo. And so it's all three of these kind of lumped together. The God who was, who is, and who will be the existing one. And God reveals himself this way to Moses in Exodus 3.14 when he says, I am who I am. And he says, say to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Um, I am? Okay, he is. What do you He is. The fact that he is, that's what he reveals himself to be. He is Yeshua, Jesus. Yeshua in Hebrew means salvation. He reveals himself as the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the triune name of God, Lord, salvation, anointed one. Let's look quickly at a couple of the titles of God, and then we'll wrap up here. So many of the titles that we have for God, are, they come from experiences where people encountered the Lord in a certain way, and they gave him a title based on their encounter with him. He is Elohim. He is El Elyon. He is El Shaddai. So some of these, some of these names you might be familiar with. El Shaddai is the Almighty God. It actually comes from the Hebrew word for the female breast, as in all sufficient providing one. Did you know that? <laughs> El Roi. He is the God who sees. This came from Hagar's encounter with the Lord in the wilderness. When Sarah mistreated her and sent her away, remember? And Ishmael is about to die. And God has this, and, and um, Hagar has this encounter with the angel of the Lord. And she names him El Roi, the God who sees me. That came from that encounter. Elohim Sabaoth. He's the God of armies. Emmanuel. He is God with us. El Gibor, he is the mighty God. Yehovah Yireh, Jehovah Jireh, as you would know it. Um, <laughs> the Lord, our provider. This actually comes from when Abraham is tested to, and, and he's told to sacrifice Isaac. And the Lord says, I'm going to provide for myself a lamb. And the Lord provided. And Abraham named that place Yehovah Yireh, the Lord will provide. Yehovah Rapha, the Lord, our healer. He is the Lord our righteousness. He is the Lord our banner. He is the Lord our peace. Do you know him as the God of peace? Do you know him as your peace? Do you know him as the God of wisdom? Do you know him as the God of love? Do you know him as rabbi, master, teacher? Do you know him the way that he's revealed himself throughout the scripture? Jesus speaks in, in the book of John. He says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I am the door. I'm the good shepherd. I'm the bread of life. 
John says of him, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Haggai talks of him as the, the desire of all nations. Is this the God that you know? Is this the reputation that you know of him? Do you know what he says? Do you know what he does? Do you know what his reputation is? How do you know God? I want to ask you today, if you had to name God a title based on your experience with him, what would it be? Would it be consistent with how he's revealed himself throughout history? Would you have a hard time calling him father? Because maybe you've looked at God in the way that you looked at your earthly father. And maybe that wasn't the best example of what it means to be a father. Would you look at him and say, God, you are the Lord who provides. You are the Lord who sees me. Can you say with all honesty, you're an ever-present help in time of trouble? Can you say, Lord, you are a friend of sinners? Do you know this God that we serve? I think if I were to give God a title, I think I would call him my sustaining hope. He's hope that has sustained me through every season. He has revealed himself as the anchor of my soul. The hope that will not let me go even when I wanted to let him go. He is persevering, sustaining hope. That's how I know him. How do you know him today? Do you know some of these characteristics of our God? I want to look at our faith response today. And I just want to invite us corporately but individually to respond to some of these aspects that we've seen about the nature of who our God is. When what we believe about God is not true to his nature, or it's not consistent with what the word of God has revealed or what his, nature, what his, what his reputation has revealed throughout history, I believe we need to repent and believe. I know there's a time in my life when I had to repent and say, Lord, I don't know you as love. I know you as master. I know you as Lord. I know you as redeemer. I know you as provider, but I don't know you as love. Would you reveal yourself as love to me? Job had an encounter with the Lord that involved a lot of hardship. The Bible says that Job was a righteous man and that the Lord even bragged on him. But he had some really awful things happen to him. And we see this journey of Job. And Job didn't, he didn't have the book of Job to read. So he didn't know the end of the story from the beginning like we do. You know, hindsight's 2020. He didn't have that. We've got that. But we're not sure that he got it, that Job ever knew the conversation that happened around him in the beginning. We don't know. But Job is like defending his own righteousness. He's like, have I sinned? Why are you not talking to me? Why are you not coming through for me? Where are you, oh God? And God comes in and just like blasts him. Like, where were you when I created the heavens? Where were you when I put the snow in the storehouses? Where were you when I caused the deer to give birth? Where were you when I created the sun, moon, and stars? You want to answer me now? I mean, God got a little ghetto on him, right? <laughs> and Job is like, ooh, zip it. I, I had heard, I spoke of things that were too wonderful for me. I'd heard of you with the hearing of the ears, but now my eyes have seen you and I repent because I didn't see you rightly. In this journey where we're getting to know the nature and the character of our God, where his nature and his reputation, what he says, what he does, and how he has acted throughout history does, is not the same as what our belief is. We must choose to repent and say, Lord, I don't think I know you as wisdom, but I want to. I don't think I know you as provider, but I want to. I want to invite us to discover this God, the true nature of this God that we serve. Get to know how he has interacted with humanity throughout history. Learn from the examples that we see in scripture. I want to challenge you. Go through the first few books of the Bible. Look at every way that he reveals himself and his nature. 1 Corinthians 10, 11 says, Now these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. And lastly, I want us to invite wonder. Invite wonder. 
There's so much to discover about this God that we serve. And if you're having a hard time with this, go down to the ocean. Just sit there. Hear the roar of the waves. See the consistency of the cadence. Smell the beauty of the ocean. Look at the creation that God has made. Find wonder in who he is and what he's created. Ask him to reveal aspects of his nature to you as love, as wisdom, as truth, as holy, as father, as creator. Maybe you need him to be the healer today. Maybe you need him to be a redeemer. Maybe you've never actually met this God. But there's something that's pounding inside of your heart, that eternity that God created in you that's like, I want to know this God. Something in me says he's there, but I just don't know for sure. If you need to know this God today as redeemer, as the one who took the first step towards you when we were in sin, he died for the unrighteous while we were still sinners. This is the God that we serve. There's so much mystery in this God too. He, he hides himself and yet he delights to reveal himself to us too. There's definitely times I've walked through where I'm like, why are you not speaking to me, Lord? But there's this invitation to go deeper. And where he pursues us, he invites us to pursue him. Habakkuk 3.2 says, Lord, I've heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. Oh Lord, repeat them in our day. In our time, make them known. And in wrath, remember mercy. I want to invite us today. Can we just stand together and respond to this by faith? Maybe some of us need to repent and believe. Maybe some of us need to yield to the invitation to discover God and his nature and to invite that awe and that wonder at who he is. Can I just pray for you today? Thank you, God. Thank you that you are almighty, God. Thank you that you're sovereign. You're over all. You're big. You're powerful. And yet you're so close and you're near. Thank you that you're the God who speaks. Lord, we just thank you today. Thank you for your wisdom. Thank you for how you've been so faithful throughout all of history. You've revealed yourself as a faithful God, and we thank you today for that. I thank you that you revealed yourself as a redeemer. I thank you for Jesus through whom you redeemed us, God. Thank you. Lord, I pray today for those in here that need to know you. They need to know you as a healer. They need to know you as a redeemer. They need to know you as a friend. That you're not distant, but that you're near. Lord, I pray that you would break down our preconceived ideas of who you are. The areas where the lens that we've seen through is, is, is tainted by our experiences with, with, with humanity, our experiences with maybe even other believers. We've seen God in a certain way because... Uh, because that's how other believers were, or even other spiritual leaders. Lord, we just choose to repent today. And I ask that you would reveal yourself in truth to us. Oh, Lord, we need you to reveal yourself in truth to us today. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. morning as I was um, coming in, walked out and go to get in my car and it doesn't turn on. It's completely dead. I'm thinking it's the key fob. So I replaced the battery in the key fob and no, that didn't work either. I have no idea. So I thought, well, God, if it's an inconvenience, it must be a divine appointment and called an Uber and the Uber driver picks me up and we get to talk in and I'm nosy. And so I'm asking him all deep personal questions, especially after he asked me where I was going and what I was doing today. <laughs> Turns out he's, uh, he, he's, he's a proclaiming Buddhist. So I got to talking to him about that and uh, sharing with him the love of God. And, and this man had only heard about some guy named Jesus, but didn't really know anything about him. Had zero concept. He's from Cambodia, grew up there and never was really around some of the traditions that point to Jesus here in the States. And 
knowing what today's topic was going to be on, because I already, I, I always review any guest speaker that we have. I always review all their notes before they actually share, so that if there's any discrepancies or things that we can talk about, I would rather do that before than after. <laughs> and uh, and Casey's phenomenal. There's no need, obviously, she's brilliant. And uh, but I already knew everything that was going to be talked about today, and I thought, how do you, how do you share? about God to somebody like that? Well, a great starting place is just sharing his nature, who God is, and finding common ground there. And and hopefully today was empowering to you in your own faith, but also in sharing the faith. You know, we're when we read the Bible, we hear about there's three named angels in the Bible, right? There was Gabriel, there was Michael, and then there was Lucifer. Lucifer's out of a job. The reason he's out of a job is because instead of reflecting worship, he chose, he wanted it. He craved it. And for us, our role as we go out today is to reflect the nature of God. We just learned about all the different aspects of God and how wonderful and brilliant and awesome and beautiful and how God reveals himself now it's our job, it's our task as we go forth today for this week that we reflect the nature of God in our family, on the jobs, uh, in parenting our kids, in loving our spouse, in the person that's serving us coffee. We reflect the nature of God. And so I just want to pray for you today that as you go forth from this place of worship, that worship stays with you. That it wasn't just the Sunday experience, but it's it was an encounter with God that was so real to you that now that's reflected throughout your entire week. Would that be all right if I prayed for you for that? Lord, I thank you. I thank you for your Holy Spirit. I thank you for speaking and teaching us today. Lord, I thank you that you've given us teachers to teach, to equip us for the work of ministry. And Lord, we heard, in my opinion, one of the best teachers in the body of Christ teaching and leading us today. And God, I pray that those nuggets, those morsels, those those wisdom, that, that wisdom that was imparted to us today, God, I pray that our, our brains would be able to absorb it, that we could go back in and listen to this message again and review our notes again and get to know you more, God, that we would be fascinated, that we would have awe and wonder as we approach the throne of grace to obtain mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. I pray that we would come with wonder, God, that we put away preconceived notions of what we thought or what we've seen you do, but Lord, that we'd heard of your deeds, but we stand in awe. Now, now we see you. We see you in a different light, God, today. So, Lord, I pray a blessing upon every person under the sound of my voice. God, that when we go forth from this building today, we go forth as ambassadors of Jesus Christ, that we that we go forth walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. God, that we would reflect your nature to the world around us. I pray a blessing over all your people in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. For more Amen. information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com.